Exodus chapter number 2. I had planned to to speak on this a couple weeks ago and we had to cancel service due to the weather. Um, And when it started snowing again today, I was like, Lord, do you really want me to preach this or not? Um, But we're here tonight. The Lord had been dealing with me on multiple things this week, but I, I feel like this is where He wants me to preach. And I promise you this is encouraging word and I I really want to speak specifically to young people in a sense tonight, young adults as well, Um, but elders, uh, there is something in in this for you as well Um, Exodus chapter 2 we're going to begin in the first verse we're going to read a few scriptures here somewhat a familiar portion of scripture And there went a man of the house of Levi, and he took a wife, a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son, and when she saw him, that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. Say, hid. Hid. And when she could no longer hide, say hide, hide him, She took for him an ark of bulrushes and dabbed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein and she laid it in the flags by the river brink, by the river's brink. And his sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river. And her maidens walking along the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child. And behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, his his sister came out of hiding and ran down to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for thee? Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away. And nurse it for me. And when I give thee, and and I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. And the child grew. And she brought him up. She brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter. And he became her son. And she called his name Moses. And she said, Because I drew him out of the water. Let us pray tonight. God, we come before you. Lord, we ask that your presence just come down and fill this place, Lord. We, we thank you for your word and its anointing. We ask that your word go forth and penetrate hearts and lives tonight. Lord, let us preach and, and, and teach what you have preached and teach to me and, and time alone with you and help this, this earthen vessel to relay what your spirit is saying. 
Jesus, we praise you and we love you for your word in Jesus' name. And the church says, Amen. So we see here, this is a story about the birth of Moses. We, we know, some of us know in the house tonight that Moses would go on to deliver hundreds of thousands of Hebrews out of Egyptian bondage and slavery. Moses would one day become a deliverer. Moses one day became a leader of a nation, of a people. What we find in this story that he's having to be hid. And as, if you go back one chapter, you find that the children of Israel, the Hebrews, they came to Egypt in the midst of a famine during Joseph's time, the son of Jacob and Jacob and his, his other sons came to Joseph because Joseph was sold into slavery there in Egypt. And they come to him because Egypt has, has, through Joseph's guidance, has stored up for the times of famine and there's plenty to eat. And Jacob and his family come and they, they live with Joseph in Egypt and they stay there and they stay there and they stay there. And the Bible tells us in chapter 1 of Exodus that there came a day that there was a Pharaoh that knew not who Joseph was. Joseph was once the prime minister of this great nation that we know of as Egypt, but he's dead and gone now. And the Bible says that the, there was a Pharaoh that rose up that knew, knew nothing about Joseph, didn't know Joseph. But he saw, he began to see that these Hebrews were more of a problem than a help. They were more of an enemy than neighbors. The Bible teaches us that they began to multiply and they became this exceeding great nation. They came as a family, but they had turned into a nation in Egypt. And he says, listen, he brings his counselors together. I'm just trying to sum this up for you and get you to where we are tonight. He brings his counsel together and he says, listen, we have to do something about these Israelites, but we need to use wisdom in what we do. So they craft this plan as we're going to slowly but surely... Bring them into submission to us. We're going to make them slaves. And we're going to allow them to build our kingdom. That's what happens. But the Bible also teaches us as the labor intensed, the more children that came. They began to multiply in the midst of all this trial and turmoil. And now Pharaoh is saying, listen, they were a nation before. And they were hundreds of people. But now they're thousands upon thousands of people. We've got a problem. If they ever got together and decided to overthrow us, they have the numbers. They could. They became a threat to Pharaoh. And he says, now, here's what we're going to do. And he goes to the, to the midwives of the Hebrew people. The, these were women that helped bring children into the world at this time and, and, and day that we're talking about. And, and he comes to them and he says, listen, if a boy is born, I want you to kill it. If a, a, if a man child is born, I want you to kill the child, because the population is just getting too out of control. But the Bible teaches us in Exodus chapter 1 as well that these midwives feared the Lord and they said, listen, we can't do this. We, we can't do this. God honors life. How many knows that God still honors life? 
He says, listen, they, they say, listen, they get together. They say, we can't, we can't do what Pharaoh's asking us to do. And Pharaoh approaches them because these baby boys are still being born. He said, what's going on? And they said, listen, these women are having the, the, the babies before we can even get there. So there's nothing we can do. So Pharaoh gets in his mind at the end of this chapter. In Exodus chapter 1 and verse 22 And Pharaoh says this, And Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born, talking about an Israelite son or a Hebrew son or a Jewish born boy, ye shall cast him into the river, but every daughter you shall let live. So we kind of understand what's going on in Exodus chapter 2. Because Moses' mother says, listen, this is, this, there's something about this baby. The King James Version says he was a goodly child. She could tell he was a goodly child. And, and what that meant is he was not only beautiful, but he was, he was, there was something about him. That, that word goodly means favored, kindness, loving, joyful. There was something about him and she hid him. From Pharaoh. So what does that have to do with us today? Young people, adults, young adults in this house tonight. It is obvious in the world we're living in, especially in the United States, that there is a bombardment. There is such an attack on young people and children. The same spirit that that engulfed Pharaoh thousands of years ago to kill Babies and to kill children and to destroy young men and women is still alive and well today. We abort thousands upon thousands of babies every day. But it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there as they go into adolescence, from toddlerhood into adolescence, and, and they start to grow up. Uh, I was studying today, and, and, and the National Institute of Mental Health says 3.2 million teenagers, 12 to 17 years old, deal with chronic depression. 3.2 million in the United States of America feel depressed, feel like there's no hope. Feel like there's no getting out of uh, of the situations they're in. Feel like they're not good enough. Feel, Feel like they're not loved or appreciated. And it even goes a step further. The enemy has so lied to our young people and to our children that suicide at one point was the leading cause of death for teenagers. In 2017... 6,200 teenagers succeeded in taking their own life. 6,200 teenagers in 2017 alone succeeded in taking their own life. Let me tell you, it's obvious that the enemy is after our children like never before. 
But I also want to tell you why I feel like the enemy, the devil, the adversary is so after this generation. Not from, from the, the one-year-old to, to the two-month-old to the 22-year-old to the 30-year-old. Why he's after this young generation is because this young generation, I believe wholeheartedly, is going to see Jesus come back in all of His glory and all of His power. They're going to see something that generations before them have never saw but have talked about, have prayed about, have foreseen in the future, have prophesied about. They're going to see something come to pass like never before. I believe that they'll experience a power that generations before them hasn't experienced before. Because I know that in the midst of all the chaos and in the midst of all the turmoil, there's a remnant that begins to get stirred up and they say, listen, I've had enough of this. And we're beginning to see that take place. Talking to young people. Man, I've had enough with the fear. I've had enough with the running. I've had enough with the hiding. Which brings us to Exodus chapter 2, our main text. The Bible says she hid him, right? She hid him. That's what, and many of you think, oh, well, that's just being a protective mother. Yes. You should, you should hide your kids. You should hide your kids in the Word of God. You should hide your kids in the church house. The Bible tells us in 2 Kings chapter 12 that a woman by the name of Athaliah came about and she killed the king and she killed all of his seed except for one boy by the name of Joash. And he was hid and kept in the house of the Lord for six years. The enemy wants to destroy a generation. And I believe we have parents in this house that that are hiding their children, trying to protect their children. I believe that. But the Bible tells us in our text tonight that there came a point. There came a point where she could not hide him any longer. There came a point in verse 3 and she says, listen, I've hid him for three months. I can't hide him any longer. You say, what, 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 are you, what, are you, what are you trying to say here? What I'm trying to tell you is that sometimes we try to hide our children so much. We try to say, hey, listen, listen, I, I don't want you to get hurt. I don't want you to get hurt. And, and I understand that. As a, I don't want my, my baby girl to get hurt. I, when she falls down and cries, we get up, we pick her up. And, and you don't want to see that. But what we have done in our society and in the church house today is we have hid them so much that we said, listen, we want to dictate every area of your life. We want you to be a church member. And we want you to go to church, but we want you to do this, and we want you to do that, and we want you to go to college, and we want you to get a master's degree, and and we want you to get a doctorate degree, and we want you to make money. And and listen, I'm not saying it's wrong to want those things for your children, but we've hid them so much, that, and we've we've coddled them so much that there's a will that God has for them. And we're not willing to take them out of hiding and say, baby, listen, I love you, but I have to let you do what God's calling you to do. I know 
know I have plans for you. I know I want the best for you. But I realize as a parent, I can't hide you any longer. I'm going to have to give you to God. I'm going to have to surrender you. I'm going to have to do something more. I can't dictate your life to you anymore. And it says she could hide him no longer. And what did she do? She said, listen, I'm going to, to grab this ark, this, this basket, if you will. And she prepared it. And, and she, she did all the things that were necessary to make it float. And, and she said, listen, I'm going to surrender my baby to the river. I'm going to surrender my child, my son, the one I love, the one I've, I've tried to protect these last three months. I'm going to have to surrender him to the river. And what I want to preach to you tonight is we need to surrender a generation. We need to surrender a generation to the Holy Ghost. We need to surrender a generation to the will of God. We need to surrender our young people to the, to the workings of God, to the ministry. There's a world outside these walls that are dying and they're going to hell. And we have a generation that is more connected on every level than ever before through social media and through the internet and all these things. And, and yet our, our young people are depressed. They want to take their own lives. They have fear. They have anxiety. Why? It's because sometimes we as parents try to hide and protect and protect and hide. Listen, when you get your children into the will of God and you say, listen, I'm just going to surrender you to the river, to the Holy Ghost and to power. I'm going to let God do in you what he wants to do in you and hey, listen I'll tell you your children won't suffer with self esteem they won't have to worry if they're loved because listen a parent that loves them is willing to give them up to a God that loves them more than you could even love them so we need to surrender a generation we need to surrender Generation, we was talking about Joash in 2 Kings chapter 12. He was hid for six years, but there came a time when the priest, the high priest said, listen, you need to get a horn of oil and we're going to anoint this seven-year-old boy. We're going to anoint him to be king. We're going to bring him out of hiding. We're going to surrender him to the Holy Ghost and to the power and to anointing and we're going to let him take his rightful place. We have a generation that's so confused. We have a generation that's so lost. They don't know what to do. Because, listen, I'll probably be guilty of this when my daughter comes of age. Listen, it's hard. I understand. But Hannah in 1 Samuel, she said, listen, God, I want a child so bad. But I know that, I, that if I have this child, I know that I will give him to you. I will give him to you. I will relinquish. I will surrender him to you. 
Why? Because God, you have more planned for him than I could ever plan myself for him. You have more power and more anointing to place on his life than anything I could ever give him. We need to surrender a generation. She walked down to the river, to its edge. She placed him in that basket and she said, God, I'm surrendering him to the flow of your Holy Ghost and to the will of your Spirit. I'm surrendering him to you. Church, there comes a time when we can hide them no longer. And I want you to know this. That this world needs them now. Their school doesn't need them to wait till they're 25 and come back at their 10 year reunion and try to witness to them. No, their school needs them now. This church, churches around America, we don't need to, we, we don't, we, we don't need to say, oh, well, you're the church of tomorrow. No, we need to we need to develop them into the church of today. They're not someone that's coming next. They're someone that's here now. And we hide and we, 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 oh, we're protecting, we're protecting, we're protecting. But listen, there comes a time in life where you have to seek the face of God and say, listen, baby, if that's what God's calling you to do, that's what I'm going with. That's what God wants you to do. That's what I'm, I want you to do. I'll tell you this, in my home, and listen, my home wasn't perfect. I wasn't perfect. Sometimes in my life I felt like I got more whippings than I took breaths. But my mother, my mother always told me, boy, you can run as long as you want to. But there's ministry on you, boy. She would tell me, look me in the eyes. And I would sit there and tell her what my dreams were. And, and I, I wanted to, to, go to go to college and play football. I wanted to study to become a teacher. And, and I, I wanted to go back and I wanted to coach football and let, let football be a part of my life for the rest of my life. I had it all planned out. And she said, son, you're called into the ministry. You're called into the ministry. I remember my first day of high school, she looked me in the eyes and she says, Listen, Mama can't go to school with you, but Jesus can. Remember that you're called. Remember that you're called. Even when I wasn't living right, she would call me and she'd say, My little pastor, you're my little pastor. I don't care what the enemy tries to tell you, boy. You're my pastor, you're my preacher. She would speak the same thing to my brother. It was never, hey, you're, you're, you're going to be my, my academic genius. No. I mean, she believed in good grades. Let me tell you that. She believed in good grades. But that wasn't her focus. When I told her I wanted to go to college, she said, boy, you can go to college. You can do all that, but never forget that you're called. Never forget that God has a will and a place. What she was doing, and I didn't even realize it, is she was laying me down. She was surrendering me to a higher power. 
And she's saying, God, I've trained these children. I've I've quoted to them scripture. I've put the word of God into them. I've prayed over them. I've anointed them in the middle of night. I've I've spoken in the spirit over their lives. I believe that you want to do great and mighty things. But God, I have to surrender them to you. And she surrendered a generation. She surrendered me to the Holy Ghost and to power. She wasn't the only mother. Moses' mother wasn't the only mother to hide and then surrender. Hannah wasn't the only mother to hide and then surrender. The Bible tells me in John chapter 2 that Jesus' mother comes to him in the middle of a marriage feast and says, listen, they have no wine. And then she turns to Jesus and she says, Jesus, they have no wine. And he says, woman, don't you know it's not my time yet? And she looked at the servants and she said, whatever he says, do it. What she was telling him, I can conceal you no longer. I I know who you're called to be. I know you have a greater purpose than just to fill a pew. I know you have a greater purpose than just to to come in and out on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesdays and come to a revival occasionally. There's a greater purpose for you young people. Parents, there's a greater purpose for your child, for your son or your daughter. There's a greater purpose. And she said, Jesus, I know you don't think it's your time. But I'm telling you, I can conceal you no longer. I'm surrendering you. Tell them what to do. And you know what's crazy about that? Is the Bible tells us in Exodus chapter 2 that Moses' mother surrendered her son to the river. In John chapter 2, it says that Mary says, Listen, you're going to have to come out of hiding and be who you're called to be. But in John chapter 1, Jesus is baptized in the river Jordan. He surrendered his life to the Holy Ghost. And the Bible says that there was a dove that ascended from heaven and landed on him. And there was a voice that came and said, This is my beloved son in in whom I'm well pleased. He had an encounter in the river. He had a mother that said, Listen, I've surrendered you to the river. You've had an encounter with the Holy Ghost. And listen, you need to come out of hiding and be the Savior, be the healer, be the deliverer that you're called to be. And young people, I want to tell you tonight, come out of hiding. Hiding. Parents, let your kids come out of hiding. Surrender them to the will of God because this generation needs to know about a Savior. They need to know about a deliverer. They need to know about a, a life changer. They need to know about a redeemer. They need to know about a friend, about a father, about a man called Jesus that will take their sin, take their, their depression, take their fear and anxiety and cast it as far as the east is from the west and make them new. But it comes when you surrender a generation. When you surrender a generation. Your kids may have giftings and callings, kids may be as talented. They can be. Pastor Talent's awesome. Those are gifts of God. 
so often. You say, you're talented. You could probably do this. You're talented. You could probably do that. You're talented. Oh, you could, you could, you, you might go pro. Where's the parent saying, you're talented. You should give it to God. You're talented. You're gifted in music. You're gifted in, in speaking. You're gifted in, in, just, in just talking to the random stranger. Listen, that's a gift. And instead of saying, oh, you should, be a, you should go into marketing, you should go into... Where's the parents saying, listen, how about, you, how about you give it to God? And I know there's, there's parents in this house that have done these things. And I commend you for it. But young people, Moses would grow up and run from the call of God. Run from the river. Young person, you can run. Moses ran. But Melissa, he had an encounter. He had an encounter with God and he came back. He said, I'm ready to be who God's called me to be. And he went in front of the superpower of the world. Egypt ruled most of the known world at that time. And he said, let God's people go. You can run from your calling, but that doesn't change the fact that you're called to be a deliverer. That you're called to be a preacher. That you're called to be an evangelist. That you're called to, and gifted in teaching. That you're called to be a worship leader. You can run, but it doesn't change the call of God on your life. And you know what's fascinating about Moses? Is his story really begins in the river. And Pastor, where does his story end? At a river. When he hands the keys, so to speak, to Joshua. And he says, lead them over the river Jordan. Cross into the promised land. Don't you want your children to lead others? Into deliverance, into the promises of God? Let me tell you young people. I believe we're in a time. Where just like Moses, his mother laid him in that river. We're, we're, we're living in a time where you, you say, okay, I'm in, I'm in this, this, this basket. I, I'm in this, 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 this structure. I'm in, the, in this mode. I'm in this train of thought. I, I, I'm good here. I'm comfortable here. I'm warm here. I'm, I'm cozy here. But listen, there, there came a time in verse 6 of, of, of Exodus chapter 2 where Pharaoh's daughter took the lid off. She said, this is, this is one of the Hebrews' babies. And we're in a time where God is lifting the lid off. And He's pointing at you. And He's telling you who you're called to be. This is one of my children. This is one of my ministers. This is one of my worshipers. This is one of my teachers. It's one of my evangelists. This is one of my intercessors. The time for hiding 
is over. The time for hiding is over. We can't waste any more time. They'll come to the music tonight. The Bible tells us in this chapter that before she placed him in the river, She grabbed, and the Bible uses the word an ark. She grabbed a structure, wooden or woven. It says it was made out of bulrushes. What's crazy about bulrushes is they absorb, they take on water. But then the Bible says that she, she dabbed it with slime. Someone say gross. I could tell you a story about gross, but I won't tell you a story. But she dabbed it with slime, which in the Hebrew word is, is the word chamar. You say, what does that mean? It means... Boiled up. And then the Bible says that she put pitch on it. You say, what, what does that have to mean? You see, the bulrushes, they're absorbent. She put him in an environment where he could soak it all in. Have you put your children in an environment where they can soak in the Word of God, the presence of God, the Spirit of God? But then comes the word chamar, which is the word for slime. Chamar in the Hebrew means boiled up, like I said. And so what does that have to do? Have you, have you not only put your children in an environment where they can absorb the Word of God, but the Bible tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul writes to his son in the faith, Timothy, and he says, stir up, boil up the gift of God that's on the inside of you. Have you put your children in an environment where they know they can be who God's called them to be? I remember telling someone, hey, uh, they asked me, where, you, where, where do you see your life in 10 years? I, I, I was a young man, younger than I am now. and I said, God's called me to preach. And they looked at me. They said, so you're going to be broke the rest of your life. So that ain't no way to make a living. So preaching's not a way to make a living. It's the only way to live. If that's what God's called you to do. But are your kids comfortable? Are they, are they absorbing the word of God, the spirit of God, the presence of God? And are they comfortable stirring up the gift that God has given them in your midst? Without criticism. Without the comments. How are you going to make money doing that? 
Bible also says that she covered it with pitch. But what's significant about this Hebrew word that means pitch, what's significant about it is that pitch, when you dig into that word, Brother Brian, it was a bright red. Are your kids absorbing the word of God? Are they stirring up the gifts? And are they covered in the blood? I said that pitch was, was red. Maybe even a bright blood red. And she covered that vessel that that baby was in. Are you, are you covering your, your children with the blood of Jesus? Say that that sounds disgusting. No, that, that blood was perfect, sinless. And it's through that blood that we not only enter into an eternal place called heaven and shun a place called hell, but through that blood we have power, we have strength. We've become joint heirs with Jesus. She covered him with the blood, with that pitch. That baby just stayed there in the river. Stayed there in the river. Pharaoh's daughter comes by, sees this baby, has compassion. She says, I'm going to raise him as my own. Verse 10 that we concluded with tonight says, And the child grew. Young people, parents, if you'll surrender a generation, they'll grow. I'm not talking physically. If you surrender a generation to the Holy Ghost, which is representative of, uh, represented by that river, Jesus said in John chapter 7, rivers of living water shall come out of you, shall flow out of your, your innermost being. If you surrender a generation to the river, they'll grow. It says he grew. She took him into his house, which was a house of authority. And then in that day and age, it was a house of authority physically, you know. They were powerful people. But it's not about my daughter growing up to be powerful, rich, and famous. No, it's about her walking in authority and the power of the Holy Ghost. They'll grow in the river. They'll grow in anointing. They'll grow in power. The Bible tells us that she named him Moses because he was drawled out of the water. That's how she identified him. As a baby drawn out of the water. Young people, that's what I want this world to say about you. 
that like John and Peter in Acts chapter 3, that the Pharisees and the Sadducees could look at them and say, they've been with Jesus. She identified him by where he had been. Let this world identify you from where you have been. Not, not in the sin, not in all the depression and anxiety and the fear, but in the river and in the will of God. If you'll stand with me tonight.